0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle, and before we get into anything about what this episode is going to be about, I just want to say happy birthday. Um, And uh, who am I saying happy birthday to? Well, I'm saying happy birthday to this podcast, sort of. So our first episode came out on July 31st of 2020 which seems like decades ago for obvious reasons but yeah I mean we're you know it's, it's technically it's not that time yet and it'll be in between episodes but I'm kind of getting excited about you know I yeah I just I can't say I didn't expect this to be going on for a year, but I also can't say that I did expect it to be going on for a year. I was just, you know, doing it and see what happens and how it would go, and people seem to be enjoying it, and I'm enjoying it. So we're just going to go ahead and keep doing it. But um to celebrate, we are going to be doing a feedback and Q&A thing for our Patreon supporters. So... Um, if you are interested in kind of having a time of celebration and reflection and questions and conversation about this podcast and topics that we've had and things that we've covered and discussions that I've had with friends, you know, I've had a lot of really amazing conversations on this podcast and I've been so thankful to be able to get to record them and just to keep them and to share them with people and to have them have their own conversations and their own thoughts kind of come out of them. It's It's been... Such a great blessing and and such an honor to be able to create this space and to be able to do all this fun stuff. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, Patreon next Tuesday we're going to be doing this live thing or not next Tuesday, two days after this comes out. Um, yeah, we're just so if you want to come to celebrate, you have any questions about the podcast, you have any reflections that you want to share with the group with the rest of the class. Um, yeah. Go ahead and uh, sign up for our Patreon. It's as uh, cheap as a dollar a month, uh, and then I think the rest of the tiers only go up to about $5. So, don't, you know, there's nothing that's really going to break the bank, but don't feel like you have to do that. But yeah, that is there if you, um, yeah, just want to come along. Um, And if you're already a Patreon supporter, I feel like I never do this, but... Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you do and all the support that you give to this podcast. I recently bought a new camera for this, and uh, I don't know if you can tell, because it's essentially the same one, but yeah, I was able to do that with the Patreon money, so thank you very much. I appreciate all your help and support, and only hope that you uh, get more out of this than what you're paying for. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but... You can understand what my heart's trying to say and all of that, right? Oh, man. So, I, <laughs> I, I, I feel like the first five minutes of almost all of these episodes are pretty similar. There's an intro, kind of some housekeeping of what's going on, and then it's me kind of going into the topic by talking about how excited I am to be talking about the topic. Um, and this week is really no exception. Um. I I don't know what it is, and it it always hasn't been like this. But over the past couple of years, I've really fallen in love with these weird, quirky, just obscure biblical tales. Um, mostly because I'm like, why are you here? Why why are you in the scriptures? Why was it necessary for you to to exist? And 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 It's not just that it's the fact that these things continually like the it's the fact that you know it's thousands of years old that this tale this random excerpt or whatever it is that's found in this old book you know it's it's hundreds of years old and for whatever reason our species thought that this was a necessary thing to pass on um and, you know, I say this all the time when I talk about the Bible and its importance and all of those things, so you're not hearing anything new if you're a longtime listener, but if it's your first episode, um, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> um, yeah, and so the name of the episode is called Naming the Animals. And it comes from this interesting passage in the book of Genesis. Now, for those of you who are, like I said, new to the podcast, something that you'll probably be quick to learn is that the book of Genesis is probably, I mean, it, again, this is new over the past couple of years. is is quickly becoming my favorite book of the Bible. Um, and I don't know why that is, other than just these rich, rich um Archetypically true and potentially literally true or, you know, figuratively true stories. Um, You know, Abraham has a call to adventure. Um, There's animosity between brothers. Um, There's the split between agricultural man and, um, you know, intellectual or or artistic man. Um, You know, all of these stories are, are... captured within the book of genesis Um, and when i was in bible school i had to do this has nothing to do with this at this point but this is just kind of a fun little story when i was in bible school um, part of our curriculum was we would essentially be reading each book of the bible five times and the first time you read the bible you have to do it in one sitting out loud and i did mine the book of Genesis I read that in one sitting out loud to myself in a McDonald's in Taiwan which is where I was doing my um my Bible school and I I even then just it's it's this I just remember being engaged in the story It took me four and a half hours to read this the book of Genesis straight out loud no stopping and man it's I mean, I don't know if it was just the four hours or whatever, but it's it's amazing to be captivated up in this story and to be able to see man's progress through all of these early primitive struggles. And you see a lot of that. You see, I mean, okay, I'm going too far into the whole Bible, but essentially what you see in Genesis is this big picture of man trying to figure out how to deal with himself. And then in Exodus, you kind of see how do we deal with a community, and that's kind of where the Bible builds from there, but all that to say that um, there's this interesting little story, it's it's one chapter in the book of Genesis, and it's, and it's very short, and I mean, we're kind of going to be reading it tonight, we're kind of going to be skipping around it, but there's this interesting detail, I mean, it's kind of part of the whole story, so it's not necessarily a detail, but it's, it's just this weird tidbit that, that, it happens kind of in the middle of all these things. Um, and it's about... Uh, there's, I'm not trying to spoil or anything or hide anything, but it's about Adam names all of the animals. And it's before Eve exists, and it's, it's very interesting, but... Before we get to that, I kind of want to set up the stage in which we're going to be approaching this story. So, the story of Adam and Eve. I think in the Bible it only goes to chapter three or four, maybe five. I don't think it it really even stretches out that far, because um, eventually it becomes a story of um, Cain and Abel, and then Lot. Uh, not Lot, but Cain and Abel and their family. Um. Yeah, it's. At the beginning of Genesis, and, and I think people kind of think that there's just one creation story, but realistically, there's kind of two, or at least how there's a better way to say this is Genesis chapter one is kind of like a prelude into the rest of the Bible, um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Genesis chapter one, it is very it's it's very much a poetic telling of creation. It is. I think we all know the line. In the beginning was God, and uh, God said, "Let there be light." And that's you know that's the first line of the Bible, and goes into the seven days of the biblical creation, and just kind of goes through that, and you see God kind of as he's doing creation, he's starting very big. He's you know I'm creating the the sun and the stars and and all of these things, and as the days progress, he continues gets smaller and smaller. And then the final detail in Genesis chapter 1 is the, again, it's not a detail, but the final thing that happens in Genesis chapter 1 is God makes man in his image. Now, we did a series on that a while back if you want to check that out. If you have checked that out, thank you. Um, And then that's kind of where it ends. It ends in this the, the crescendo of God sharing his image with human beings and then there's this interesting line at the beginning of genesis chapter two now of course the book of genesis when it was originally written wouldn't have had chapters uh divisions or even verse connotation uh, notings or anything like that it would simply have just been this one large spread out story and then the editors of the bible whoever the hell they are came in and threw in these verses and these chapters and you know, this is just my humble opinion as somebody who spends way too much time looking into these things or thinking about these things, but there are some times in the Bible where I'm like, yeah, this this could have been, this chapter break could have been placed here better. Some This one is placed in a really good spot. But this one, I mean, you can't place this chapter at a better place um, because of just how this starts. And again, what I'm saying, what I'm, all that to say is that in Genesis chapter 1 you see this poetic telling of God and in, in its infiniteness creating these smaller and progressively smaller things um, and then in Genesis chapter 2 at the beginning of the chapter there's this kind of tonal switch and I just want to open up my good book and kind of just read some of this to you. We're going to be jumping around and not jumping around but kind of skimming through chapter 2 of Genesis. So if you have a uh, Bible at home, go ahead and join up with us. But here we go. So this is the one of the f- this is the f- uh fourth verse at the beginning of genesis chapter two it says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the lord made the heavens and the earth now okay so obviously the first thing that needs to be said is that are these literal days no and i don't really want to spend a whole lot of time debunking that or, or even or even spending again much time talking about it Because the point for me here is not whether or not God made creation in a day, but in this poetic retelling of creation for the author, for the person who is trying to relay the experiential feelings of this narrative, they thought it was best to relay them in an image of a day. Now, there are some people that argue that the word day is just a lazy translation for, you know, an epoch or a period or a season or a time or whatever it is. But for me, I'm really okay with calling it a day because it's, it's, you know, in, in, Genesis chapter one, God doesn't even create the sun until later in in the middle. So you, we don't even have what we would call a day until then, anyway. So Lord knows what language they're even talking about or, or whatever. So, and again, I'm I'm a poet, I'm a songwriter, so I I appreciate these things without getting you know bogged down in the semantics of whether or not it was a literal day. Um, you know, it's yeah, that's. That's not the important part of the story. But the important part of the story is is that it says, you know, now it says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made the heavens and the earth. There's this shift here from God creating everything down to the generations of the heavens and the earth. And if you can see here, and if, if you're watching, I'm reading kind of just from this early bit here, but this is the rest of the, the Bible. This is the rest of the generations of heaven and earth to its completion. Um, again, if you believe the Christian narrative or what the Bible claims to be, um, and and again, because I'm I'm approaching all of this kind of within the Christian doctrine or dogma. I'm um, I'm having fun with this. I'm trying to relay kind of larger things about the nature of the reality that we live in. I'm kind of going to get to there, but at fun first, I'm kind of having some fun with the Bible, because um, yeah, this is the one place that I get to do it, and yeah, you guys are coming for it, so yeah, um, I this. This this shift here is so interesting to note, and I promise I'll get to the animals thing. But it's it's important to note because in the first one, you're you're very much seeing this understanding of God having a very kind of rhythmic pattern, very formulaic, having a very good understanding of realities laid out, and we do see that in this chapter. But we kind of see God kind of getting into the nitty gritties and kind of doing something interesting here um yeah so let's just kind of let's let's just jump around and read some stuff in in genesis chapter 2 here it says continuing off of that verse it says when no bush or uh, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field yet sprung up for the lord god had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going on from was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the, uh, put the man of whom he formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And yeah. We'll, we'll stop there for now. But, okay, so here we kind of see a little bit of a different approach to the creation narrative than we do in, like I talked about in Genesis chapter 1, kind of seeing a very rhythmic pattern, day one, day one, day one. Here we kind of see this idea of kind of creation existing and just kind of a very... Uh, how, how would you say that a very kind of passive state or a very kind of you know nothing's really happening it's kind of void it's there's no vegetation there's no life there's there's nothing really going on there and again what you'll notice is that there's no mention of animals you kind of have life you have um you have vegetation rather spring up out of nothingness but again there's not really any hint of animals I'm not going to get into it because it's kind of boring to read, but for the next paragraph or two, it goes into God kind of the layout of the Garden of Eden. Obviously, it is really super interesting in its own right and its own kind of mystical interpretation, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about these gosh darn animals. So... Let's continue on where it says the Lord and this is verse 15 says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now note at this time that there's there's no Eve. She's she's coming along. And the Lord God commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in that day of eat of it. You shall surely die. Everyone knows that it, everyone knows that one. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So think about that. God just kind of, out of nowhere is reflecting on Adam and reflecting on his his existence. And again, we're not seeing a God here necessarily that is very like rhythmic and patterned. We're kind of seeing this more of this, I don't want to say schizophrenic, that's not the right word, uh, sporadic God. It's kind of, he's figuring it out on his toes. Um, yeah and so here's here's where it gets interesting. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the at man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whenever the man called every living creature that's what that's what its name was. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed it up its placed with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last, the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Blah. And yeah, we all know that one as well. But yeah, so there's this interesting bit in the midst of all of that where God is, he's, he's, he's making man. And I always kind of had this reading of, god sees that adam is lonely or at least has this sense of it or knows that that's what will become of adam there's this unspoken sense of loneliness kind of built into the uh, how do you say the subtext of oops sorry for that pop there the subtext of this story because again you know well god is saying it's not good for man to be alone why because when man's alone he ultimately gets lonely and falls into all the traps of isolation and loneliness which again isn't necessarily well maybe we are kind of here to talk about that not so much the problems of isolation but the 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 need for animals in the midst of this is i find that's what i find so interesting is that god just doesn't go right to i'm just going to make you a partner because again we kind of you know something happens when we read the scriptures. I you know, God is kind of like a superhero that is has so many powers and so much going on that it's almost difficult to write for that character because it's like, well, what are you doing? you you know you're gonna make him a partner because if you're omni, if you're all knowing and and all, you know, if you have the ability to know everything and can do everything, why wouldn't you just make this person, you know another person? or you know whatever? Why was this weird animal? thing put in the middle that didn't really seem to be even the it didn't it didn't fix adam's ailment it didn't you know fix the problem but for some reason god thought it was interesting or or at least necessary to go through the process of building and forming all of the animals because and then handing them to adam to to, for him to name them all, and which what's, in, what's interesting here is that if you kind of just read this story, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is literally how it happened, but again, if we just read the narrative structure of this, it kind of just seems like there is a void earth, and then out of that grows vegetation, and then out of that grows man, and then somewhere along the pine along the way, animals pop up, and and man becomes aware of them, and again, I'm I'm definitely not saying that that is the trajectory that. Our actual species came on, but it is the trajectory and the story that this is beginning to tell. With now, why the that that's what comes up when I when I think about this story is why is this the first story that comes in? Why why is there this animal bit in the middle of it? Because this this chapter it starts so brilliantly. It's just it starts by having this different perspective from the previous one about you know creation and. Um, man and the generations of man and how man was made and i, I this this task about animals is just kind of are you know it can seem arbitrarily just thrown into the middle of it all and okay so i want you to think about it this way we have we have two creation stories happening you know back to back and like I said earlier, we have God in its infiniteness kind of summating itself down into smallness. And then at the flip there in chapter 2 with the, um, the beginning of the generations of the heavens and earth, you see this, you know, this flip where it goes that the small details are starting to see the grander picture and are starting to realize how reality is formed and that's so it's 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 going backwards there so it's the all knowing the all powerful it's the everythingness it's the the function the this the structure the mathematics of the universe you know as god existing and pouring itself out you know rhythmatically day 1 day 2 as this as that and and all those things and then there's this switch where you, we kind of try to start Climbing back up that ladder. Now, according, you know, the way that I read the Bible, the way that I understand spirituality is that, a, you know, the reason that we are here is to help God better understand itself, and f- for God to be able to self-reflect in a way that apparently doesn't isn't possible without the um, the limitations of creation. And I think that that idea is really reflected here. Um, And again, if we're going just kind of, you know, what I said about chapter one is that it ends with this beautiful idea of man being made in the image of God. And that is really this beautiful flipping point where it's, again, it starts to, you have God in the beginning doing all these beautiful things, building down into this point where it becomes man and it becomes flesh and it becomes sweat and it becomes tears and i think that in the doing of that it it becomes self-forgetting and it and i think that's apparent because that is the it's philosophy is the evidence of that it's the proof of that that we don't know that why we're here and what we're trying to do and but i do believe that even the fact that we're you know struggling to figure out that answer it it beckons a it says that there is an answer, it says that there is purpose, um, and I think that that is when our eyes start to be, to open and, and begin to look for these larger things, so now we're going to be talking about the animals after 25 minutes of building it up. Adam, in his beginning to remember who he is in this, in this you know, Adam is, at, he's the first rung on this ladder back to that infinite abyss, or not infinite abyss, the infinite, you know, the infiniteness of God, and it, you know, again, if you're you're following me on that picture of God creating down into the smallest, and then Adam being that smallest, kind of building back up upon that thing, and the his first task is to name the animals. It's the first thing that he's given to do. His ultimate task is to take care of them and to as well as the land and to be fruitful and multiply. But the first task that Adam has to do is to name them all. And he never has to do it again and no other you know human being in the biblical stories has to do it. And it's so it's so interesting because for me I I've spent a lot of time kind of pondering through this in my head of why this popped up at this time in this story like it did and for me it really it it's for me this is my interpretation of it is Adam represents this early you know you know early cognitive human being he represents as someone who's trying to figure out his place in the world and and he's trying he's Adam also represents not just an individual but he represents human beings as a species He represents the early, early time of man. And it's not very obvious of when the apparent meaning of animals became unapparent to us. I do believe that when we as individuals gaze upon an animal... Um, some of them speak to us, some of them we resonate with closer than other ones, some of them we don't resonate with at all, um, some of the, you know, people even, some people even look similar to animals, I'm not saying that in any sort of good or bad ways, but, you know, you can see an owl in some people, you can see when they have similar just facial structures, again, not saying if they're, you know, they're beautiful people for looking like beautiful animals, um yeah and and I think I just can't get help out i just can't help but get this thought out of my head that animals are somehow connected to the they're parts of the building blocks of the human psyche and the map of the human psyche because we see these things and we relate back to them. every culture in history has had this idea of spirit animals or some sort of Using animals to represent things metaphorically, poets have been using animals metaphorically since the beginning of time. Um, Artists, they, you know, even an an American eagle, an American eagle. See what I did? A bald eagle. You know, to us, it means something. There's this inherent meaning that was that was given to us, and I I think that that's so fascinating. Is that there's these creatures that are running around on the earth. That are, you know, they're sharing, they're, they're a part of this with us too. They were made from the same dust that we were made from. And they represent parts of our human psyche. And this is why God charges us to have dominion over them and to take care of them. I think a lot of people, when they approach the Bible in this story, it's or at least, you know, the idea of man having dominion over the earth, They a lot of their, you know, self-hatred or just kind of bitterness towards humans pop up. And, you know, say, they say things like, you know, the animals would be so much better if humans weren't around. And granted, I believe that to be true to some degree, but also think that there's some animals that don't do very well when we're not around. You know, sheep, um, horses, you know, there's a lot of animals that need human intervention in in what they do. And also, here's just a friendly evolutionary reminder for everyone is that we are animals. I think people get so... And it's so easy to make this mistake because we're so much more sophisticated and so much more advanced than kind of everything else that's roaming around in the space rock that we, you know, naively assume us to be so much greater than these things. But really, we just have a different task than they do. And we just have a different purpose in being here. And so these animals that, that share this planet with us, they're important to us because they they are they're building blocks. They're building blocks in the subconscious of and the psyche of your mind. And again, this is why think about this. This is why you know Native Americans and other indigenous cultures have totem poles with animal figures on it because they're literally stacking different representations of a person or a tribe or whatever onto each other. This is similar to how in the Bible, God is depicted as being a a a creature with four different animal heads on it there is a part of animals that are so integral to spirituality to how we view and move through this earth and I think now when we talk about animals it's mostly just this you know it's it's always at the extent of leisure or of, of our own leisure of you know, it'd be nice to go see some animals, I don't really have to, I don't want to deal with animals, I don't want to have to, you know, certain pets we keep in the house, or certain animals we keep in the house, and we call those pets, to distinguish from the rest of the animals that we don't have, put in the house, and if we do, people are weird if they're not pets, and, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's so interesting to me that at the very beginning of you know the generations of mankind, at the the early stories of of our species, that the creator and the the people who were writing these tales, all of them were like, "Don't forget that the animals are a part of this thing, and they were part of whatever it is that you were doing from the beginning, from the beginning." Um, and I think that we've you know, like I was just saying, we've forgotten about that. We kind of make the animals this thing that are are they're again we only deal with them at our convenience um and I think that that's going to be a problem for us. Again, because there are brothers and sisters on this planet. They're things that, again, they're not just our brothers and sisters. They're symbolically important to us, psychosomatically. I don't know how well I'm doing driving that point home. But that's what Adam's doing here while he's naming these Creatures and and again, God is not giving Adam any direction in this story. He's not saying, "Oop, sorry, I shook the camera." He's not saying you should name him this, you shouldn't name him that. He's not even saying, you know. It says what what at what the man named them. That's what they were named. God doesn't change them. God gives this man complete free will to do that. And I think it's interesting that you know because. This is what I'm trying to say, is when Adam is looking at those things, he's standing there as a blank canvas, as somebody who's may never even seen this thing before. And he's allowing whatever emotions and feelings and whatever to emerge out of this interaction. And again, reading that story, you see that at Adam, and it's not inherently clear whether he's struggling with loneliness there or it'll be something that'll be coming to them, but loneliness is the underlying threat for Adam and, and all the perils that come with loneliness. And so he's at this place of expecting others. So he's open. He's, he's saying yes to whatever it is that's going to be coming before him. Because he's you know, in the context of the story, he's looking for a helper. And so he's coming along, you know. You know, an alligator is coming along. and He's naming it an alligator, whatever, whatever the word is. And again, it's not even that he's saying you are called an alligator. It's that Adam is speaking out here. What this, what an alligator is going to be meaning, you know, uh, psychophysiologically in this. What what that word means is that what it means in the relationship between spirit and matter and body and mind, that the animal isn't just there to exist as an animal, but that it exists as this thing that is a part of this large canvas of the creator, of source, of God, whatever you want to call it, trying to f- you know, rediscovering itself and, or not even rediscovering itself is seeing itself again and rejoicing in the beauty, and you know it's God playing a giant game of peekaboo with itself, and I just I don't know. I love that in the midst of it all are these things called animals that get to live life concurrently with us. And I think animals do have their obviously they have their con- natural connection back to source and and back to God. But it's and it's such an honor to be able to live and walk next to them. And so, you know, we're we're wrapping this up and my encouragement to you would be Okay, so what is naming the animals? What is this whole episode about? What I want to encourage you is name the animals in your life. Name the good animals and name the bad animals. Because you got both. You've, you know, and I'll just kind of be frank and personal with you, but for me, one of my... and how you, how you figure out a spirit animal or how you figure out an animal that you have a kinship with is just be honest with yourself and just listen and see what, what an, you naturally have a favorite animal. And, and, you know, there's a question of, well, how did you pick that? Was it, you know, your development or whatever? And, you know, it's, I'm sure it's different for everybody. But there's a reason that the universe had that animal in your psyche and in your worldview for a reason because it means something to you i was i've always been a pan of, fan of pigs for whatever reason and pigs are good because pigs are they represent knowledge and they represent um, stoicness and they kind of represent lowliness and in, in good ways but they also represent just being nasty and being greedy and being vicious and gre- you know just terrible things and I'm both of those things, you know, I'm, I I love my knowledge, I love being meek and lowly and all those things, but I also have my shit, and I also am greedy, and I also, you know, don't always do things the best way that I should, and that's naming the animals, it's being self-aware enough of who you are and how, how you how you, what's the word there, how you relate back to reality, and that's, again, that's naming the animals in your life, seeing the parts of yourself that are whatever type of animal, and it's, it's really a form of just being aware, and to kind of just finish off the story, with um, it ends with God building Adam a, a woman out of himself, out of Adam, and, I think what's interesting there is you kind of see this weird kind of cyclical thing happening there, is you have God emptying itself and being made into Adam, and then Adam emptying himself and being made into Eve, and then Eve emptying herself and being made into Cain and Abel, and you have this continually emptying forward in this, and again... Think about the animals as part of the things that move the thing forward, they're part of the building blocks, they're part of the wheels that, that move this thing forward, because they, they're always going to be here with us, they're always going to be things that we are naturally inclined to take care of when we listen to our spirit well, and yeah, they are things that we are in, supposed to have a relationship with other than at our own convenience, for our own pleasure. Um, we're supposed to take care of them. We're supposed to be loving them. And we're supposed to see how we ref- they reflect in us and us in them. So, yeah, this was just kind of a, I don't want to say short one because it definitely wasn't short. But this was just a fun little episode. Uh, I feel like a lot of mine are, like, heavy and dealing with stuff. But this one wasn't. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for checking this out. I hope, I don't know, I hope this has been encouraging for you. It's been informative for you. And I would just... Again, encourage you to say, um, or I would just incur. I would say to encourage you, um, sit, figure out who you are by how the animals in your life reflect you, and how the animals that you know and love, and or even the animals you don't like. Why don't you like them? Sit and think about that as well. Um, Yeah. If you are interested at all in signing up for the patreon that'll be linked below and like I said that starts at just a dollar a month and there are different tiers and there are different perks according to each tier so thank you very much uh, yeah to everyone who's done that thank you so much for listening and uh, yeah it's been a great 40 episode and I'm looking to looking forward to a lot more than 40 more all right everybody. Have a good evening, and I ask that you would love the Lord your God. as I don't, Oh, man, I always forget what my sign-off is. I, do me a favor and love yourself and your neighbor and God. <laughs> you can do it, friends. Have a good one.